Looking for natural supplements to boost your immunity? New Roots Herbal can help. Whether it's rebuilding your immunity after an illness or simply maintaining a healthy immune system year-round, New Roots Herbal is here for you with a wide range of proven formulations. Discover Protector, Astralgus 8000, Ultra Zinc, and their best-selling Vitamin C8. If you're looking to build your immunity from within, look no further than New Roots Herbal, available exclusively at your local health food store. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. Dr. Colleen Hartwick is a licensed naturopathic physician who's been in private practice since 2012 in Campbell River, BC. Dr. Hartwick has a special interest in trauma as it pertains to physical illness, and as such, her practice focuses on mental health. In addition, Dr. Hartwick is passionate about sharing her knowledge and has been a part-time instructor at the Canadian School for Nutrition since 2015 and began publishing educational articles with Naturopathic Currents. Welcome back to the show, Colleen. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. How are you? And, and thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Okay. I, you know, the weather, I, uh, I know we're going to compare weather notes here, but, you know, it's, it, November is like that cold, wet, rainy, yucky month here, and you start feeling kind of poopy. I, I, know yep. you, I know you get a lot of cold and rainy out there, too. What we get as well on the island is what we call northeasters, where the wind picks up to like 40 or 50 kilometers an hour. So the rain tends to come in sideways, which adds a little bit of spice to weather this time of year. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're kind of feeling under the weather. So we're, we're going to talk about feeling under the weather today. OK. All right. Sounds great. Cold and flu. Are they the same thing or are they different? They are technically different, although I do hear people kind of conflate the two. So some similarity between cold and flu, they're both caused by viral infections. They tend to peak sort of in the in the darker months, so sort of between October and late season, you know, April, May. Some differences are that colds are caused by, well, a multitude of different viral families. The most common one is the rhinovirus, coronaviruses, adenoviruses respiratory syncytial viruses can all cause the symptoms that we associate with a cold, whereas with flu, it's actually a shorthand for the influenza virus. So uh, what causes the symptoms of flu is a category of virus called influenza virus. And then in terms of how they present, lots of the listeners, I'm sure, have had both cold and flus, but again, might have conflated the names. Colds tend to be a little bit milder in terms of symptomology, so might get a little bit of fatigue. Fever is not very common. You know, lots of upper respiratory symptoms, whether it's runny nose, sneezing, sore throat, things like that. Influenza, so flu tends to cause more significant symptomology that tends to come on pretty quickly. So rapid onset and usually a quick exit. More body aches, chills, a fever, maybe headache. Um, can also cause some upper respiratory symptoms as well, like the runny nose and, and sore throat. But again, we tend to see more obvious full body symptoms of pain, achiness, fatigue, and fever. Right. So, you know, we usually have these discussions at this time of year, but are colds and flus really seasonal? I mean, they're being spread year-round, but we do tend to see an uptick in people presenting with obvious symptoms of cold or flu, and that's for a variety of different reasons. So as I mentioned, sort of cold and flu season, as it were, picks up, you know, sometime late September, early October, and can run into 
uh, April, May of the, of the following year. Why does it pick up in around that time, like September, October? Yeah, so just take a, you know, step back and observe kind of what's going on in terms of the environment, people's lifestyle. So the days are getting shorter, which means we're getting less sunlight, which means less vitamin D. And as many of us learned, you know, through the pandemic, the, the importance of vitamin D for a strong, robust immune system that helps us ward off against these viruses. You know, we're spending more time indoors. Kids have gone back to school and and as we're in enclosed spaces, it's a lot easier for the respiratory droplets from coughing or sneezing to be spread one to the other. Um, kind of seeing maybe some changes in people's diets this time of year with Halloween and then the holiday seasons or maybe a little bit more sweets, which can suppress the immune system. Changes to exercise habits. I know for myself, I'm I'm far more active in the summer when we've got the warm, bright days as compared to uh, to the winter months, to the colder months. And exercise, you know, is really important for for immune function as well. Yeah, you know, my my origin story is, you know, I used to be morbidly obese and not terribly active. You know, part of the, part of that story, which which I didn't really expand upon, was I got sick a lot. You know, like I I got colds and flus. And they seemed to last longer and they impacted me more. And then when I changed my ways and I exercised and I changed what I ate, I found I was getting sick a lot less often and I was bouncing back a lot faster. Is that your experience? Yeah, because carrying excess weight, it can increase baseline inflammation. And a lot of the symptoms that people experience, whether they're getting a cold or a flu, are the result of the immune system creating all of these uh, chemical mediators, messengers that communicate inflammation, that inflammation is there to help essentially eradicate whatever the virus is, whether it's a cold virus or a flu virus. And so as baseline inflammation is elevated, because maybe we're dealing with excess body fat, um, we can see more a tendency towards infection and more protracted infection. So absolutely, your experience is kind of in alignment with with what I've seen with patients. So we, we talk a lot about the sort of lifestyle changes that sort of help with your overall health. Is, is there anything other than, you know, avoiding inflammation that would be specific to avoiding colds and flus? Yep. So we've got our sort of nutritional basics to help make sure your body has everything that it needs to mount a good defense against colds and flus. So uh, exercise, you mentioned, getting enough dietary protein, because our immune system produces things called antibodies. They're like these little protein flags that will tag viruses for elimination. So getting enough protein, and that typically looks like about a gram per pound people weigh, which is more than a lot of people think. Mm -hmm. uh, getting sufficient amounts of vitamin C, while it doesn't necessarily stop you from getting the infection initially. What we see with vitamin C, at least in the research, is that it can help to shorten the duration of colds and flu, so helping us to bounce back more quickly, getting an adequate amount of zinc, which we can get from foods like pumpkin seeds and the bivalves like oysters and mussels. Um, that's really important for functioning of the immune system. Making sure your gut microbiome is good in good working order because so much of our immune system resides in the gut. So that might look like getting adequate fiber, which again is like 30 grams at least a day or two tablespoons, eating fermented foods, uh, maybe opting for a, a probiotic supplement if you're not super keen on the fermented foods. So on the nutritional side of things, yeah, protein, vitamin C, zinc, probiotics, oh, and optimizing vitamin D. So 
always good to have the vitamin D tested to know if you're actually deficient and how to appropriately um, dose if it does turn out that your vitamin D levels are low. Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about a specific supplement, uh, elderberry. What's its role in immune support and, and what, what sort of form would you recommend to take? So usually what I've recommended to patients, in part because it's highly palatable, is an elderberry syrup, but you can also do elderberry as a tea. is actually one of my go-tos for when I get sick with a cold and flu. Um, elderberry is great because it's got some antiviral properties. It's what we consider a, a diaphoretic, so it can help to people to spike a bit of a fever. And lots of your audience members might already know that fever is actually a really important uh, immune mechanism when we're fighting off an infection because what a fever does is it basically makes the body a less hospitable environment for a virus to spread. I forgot to mention this in keeping with cold and flu season that um, the influenza virus is a lot more stable at cold temperatures so it allows it to survive on surfaces and spread more easily as we move into the cooler months. So body's ability to mount a fever burns off the virus as sort of a, a casual way of thinking of it and during fever as well our bone marrow will start to pump out more white blood cells so we eradicate the virus more easily and build a more robust army when we're able to spike a fever and elderberry can help us to do that okay if we're uh, if we're unfortunate and we do get a cold or flu what can we do to help with the symptoms so on the cold side of things, again, more characterized by upper respiratory symptoms, so runny nose, sneezing, sore throat. So for the runny nose, some of my favorite things to do are to do some sort of healing irrigation of the sinuses. So you could use a mister or a neti pot to flush out all of the inflammation, flush out any of the viral particles, help you breathe a little bit more easily. If your listeners are not super keen on putting salt water up their nose, yep. then to do a steam inhalation is a nice secondary option. Base in a hot water, put in a few drops of your favorite essential oil. Go-to is, you know, eucalyptus oil or maybe oil of oregano, breathe that in for 10 or 15 minutes. That can help to um, clear up the sinuses and those essential oils. They're technically called volatile oils. They have some antimicrobial properties as well, so it can help us to fend off against the virus that's causing the symptoms. If it's more of a sore throat that you're experiencing, maybe not quite so sinusy, gargling with salt water can be quite nice. Sage tea is really good for laryngitis or inflamed throat, um, or looking at doing what are called demulcents, so herbs that when they mix with water or saliva, contain something called mucilage, like plant mucus, that will coat um, the back of your throat to help uh, give you some symptomatic relief. So these are things like uh, licorice root or slippery elm um, can be really nice and soothing for a dry, irritated throat. Uh, what about echinacea? What would you use that for? Um, echinacea, again, similar to elderberry, is one of my go-tos for acute infection. It helps to increase white blood cell count. Um, so colds and flus, but more so colds, is where I find myself using echinacea. Um, and usually do it in two weeks for uh, with a break interspersed. So, you know, we, we've gone through the pandemic and, you know, our immune systems are, are challenged differently now. You know, we were in isolation and now we're back seeing everybody. And so things are spreading. In your practice, are you, are you seeing people with flus and how are they dealing with that? Are they, are they lasting longer in your experience? What are you seeing? So we've had a little 
a bit of a delayed flu season here on Vancouver Island because it's been actually quite nice weather-wise, which is unusual for us. So what I've seen so far is actually a worsening of people's uh, allergy symptoms, Uh. but I anticipate over the coming weeks to see more and more patients dealing with colds and flus as we're back to you know, pre-pandemic behavior where people aren't really masking up as much unless you're in the hospitals here. Um, you know, we're out in social settings, in restaurants and uh, things like that. So, so far I haven't seen huge uptick, but we're still kind of early days. So I anticipate uh, seeing more patients with more frequent colds and flus. And are, are those flus lasting longer? Uh, it's tough to say. Again, early days, so I haven't seen them last longer, but that might change in the coming weeks. Okay, let's talk about what I would call an ancillary illness, which is a cold sore, which sometimes gets triggered if you have a cold or flu. How should people deal with that? Yep, so cold sores, again, some of your listeners might have them. It's caused by herpes simplex virus, and the nature of that family of viruses is they cause chronic latent infection. So once you get the cold sore virus, it will stay dormant. Um, and kind of wait for the right timing to strike and the right time for our cold sore to reemerge is once the immune system's been suppressed. And one of the instances where immune system can get suppressed is when we're dealing with another infection like a cold or a flu. So now our, our immune resources are essentially being split between fighting off the acute cold or flu, leaving a bit of a, a scarcity to keep that cold sore virus um, at bay. So again, not uncommon to see a flare-up of cold sores during cold and flu season because the immune system is splitting its resources. Things that can be done to help address a cold sore flare-up, um, lemon balm tea or lemon balm capsules. It's got some antiviral properties uh, against the herpes family of viruses, so the virus that can cause uh, cold sores. Uh, L-lysine as an amino acid, both topically and internally. Lots of good evidence there in terms of helping to decrease viral load. So, again, to get that cold sore virus at bay. Okay, so, I, you know, you've been on the show a lot, and, and I kind of know where this is going to go, but if our listeners were inclined to pick up some of the products that you mentioned, what would be your recommendation? I mean, my first recommendation is always to speak to either a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor, someone who knows your health history and knows what's going to be safe and appropriate for you. Because some of the herbs that we briefly touched on, they can have some contraindications. So again, always good to consult with someone um, who knows your unique health needs. And beyond that, when it comes to maybe stopping by your local health food store, you know, looking for reputable companies when you're choosing supplements. So you know, ideally something made in Canada um, with uh, standardization if you're going for a herbal product. And then looking for, I think we mentioned this in a in the previous conversation, looking for an ISO 17025 certification. That's a third-party accredited lab of the highest standard that's there to, to test the products to make sure that that what's on the label is actually in the product, that the dosages are actually aligned, and that there's no extra goodies that we may or may not want uh, present in the product. So do look for that ISO certification. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, you're very welcome. So glad that you had me back and it was great to chat with you.